Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Three, two, one. But I've worked it out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Welcome Jr. Welcome in, everybody. Kirk Kirk Street Street is on the phone. Yeah. Yeah. The podcast. We. Podcast presented by Betfred Sportsbook. It is Friday, November 11th. 2022 people that is right happy veterans day i think it goes without saying to all of the veterans out there we appreciate everything that you do everything that you have done uh cannot say it enough you know my father's a veteran cousin's a veteran um you know best friends a veteran so thank you to all of the guys and girls who have served our country happy veterans day by the way later tonight i will be at the veterans day Gonzaga Michigan State game on an aircraft carrier uh, look out for your boy Torres but with that said enough about me happy Veterans Day again and let's get to what should be a fun Friday episode the fun Friday edition the FFE of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast loaded show today here's what you need to know we're going to actually veer away from heavy pre uh you know uh preview content on on today's show we're going to start Some interesting comments by a former player, Greg McElroy, about the state of Alabama football. We'll discuss those. We'll discuss Mark Stoops' interesting NIL comments and why we are headed for a crazy couple months in the NIL space. Then we'll get to the Week 8 preview. Then we will get to a quick basketball topic where Louisville took an L. Talk about L's down. We'll discuss that. That was on Wednesday night. And finally, we will wrap with our Friday staple. Aaron right, Aaron wrong. Before we get started, really quickly, I do want to thank our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook of the Betfred app. Listen, Betfred is incredible. Love working with them. Cannot thank them for everything they do for us, for the Aaron Torres podcast. And let me tell you a little bit about them. I've told you before, but started in 1967 in the UK. They have come to the US and blown up in a big way. Presenting sponsor of Aaron Torres Media, as well as the gambling partner, of the Cincinnati Bengals, the Denver Broncos, the Colorado Rockies. And what I love about Betfred, they do more for their for their betters than anybody. And that's not just talk. That is fact. Okay, you saw Mattress Mac last week at the World Series. He bet with Betfred. Betfred was with him every step of the way. Uh, we have sent personally listeners of the Aaron Torres pod to the Denver Broncos VIP tailgates. The Cincinnati Bengals uh, suite at the Bengals game is off the hook. We will be there later this year. I will have some details for you. So nobody does more for their betters. And here is the great thing about Betfred. They give you a special just for listening to the Aaron Torres pod. This is what you got to do. All you got to do, go to Betfred.com, Betfred Sports, or download the Betfred Sportsbook app at that point. This is the deal they're giving you. New users, bet 50 on any game this weekend. Alabama Ole Miss, Washington, Oregon, uh, you know, LSU, Arkansas, bet 50 on any game, get to 50 in free bets. That is courtesy of the Betfred Sportsbook. Want to thank them. So excited to be working with Betfred. They are our presenting sponsor. Also, got to give a shout out to Bracket Fanatics, who, of course, is the sponsor of our NFL Pick'em Challenge all season long, the Aaron Torres Pod NFL Pick'em Challenge. Worked with Bracket Fanatics for years, okay? They've done two of our NCAA tournament pools. Great user-friendly website, BracketFanatics.com. 
And this year, they have started an NFL pick'em. They got us involved, and they are giving you cold hard cash. All you got to do go to bracketfanatics.com, click the link, uh, click the uh, button, join bracket. The bracket name is Torres, and here's what they're doing for you: weekly one hundred dollar winners, thousand dollar season long cash prize. And as I do every Friday, I want to congratulate the week ten winner, BC Castaldo. BC Castaldo just won himself a hundred bucks. And how about this? It was an eight way tie at the top in week nine of the NFL. We are headed into week 10. Congratulations to BC Castaldo. The great news is if you have not signed up yet, what are you waiting for? Click the link bracketfanatics.com bracket name Torres. Click that join bracket tab. Bracket name is Torres. Make your picks. $100 weekly winners thousand dollar season long cash prize thank you again to our incredible sponsor bracket fanatics oh that said let's get to the topic of the day and the topic of the day you know i'll say this is normally on these friday shows we talk a lot of preview stuff breakdown games it does feel like this this saturday it's a little bit of a quieter slate um, you know, Alabama will misplay Washington and Oregon, Texas and TCU. And we'll certainly talk about those games in a minute, but with a quieter slate, I think it allows us to talk about some interesting conversations that are going on off the field. Uh, and one of them that I want to talk about right now is a program that we talk about quite often on this show. And that we've certainly talked about a ton this week. And that is the Alabama Crimson Tide, Alabama. I think you all know by now on Saturday, took their second loss of the season at LSU in overtime. With it, Alabama really doesn't have much to play for in this season other than pride. Bottom line is, they would need LSU to lose their final two regular season SEC games, and Alabama would have to win its final two regular season SEC games just to get to the SEC championship game. Don't think that's going to happen, and even if they get there, they ain't beating Georgia. And so this season has no doubt been a disappointment, but more importantly, I think it speaks to a conversation that we're all kind of asking right now as college football fans, at least I know that I have on this show. What is going on with this program? Can it get fixed? And what is next? How does it get fixed? Or are things going in the wrong direction permanently with Nick Saban at 71? And so these are conversations that we've had on this show. But I will say there was somebody else that made a very interesting comment about the state of Alabama, and that is Greg McElroy, former Alabama quarterback, played at the school. He now hosts a radio show with my buddy Cole Kublik, uh, and also hosts a podcast called All Thing Always College Football with Greg McElroy. Well, earlier this week, he was talking about his alma mater, and here is what Greg McElroy had to say. This is the first time. I have ever actually been concerned about the future of the program. The first time I have seen them lose when people have said the dynasty is over. I've seen people back in 2014 say this team will never regain their prowess and their strength. I've seen coach after coach after coach depart for what they might consider to be greener pastures. I've seen everything this program has endured the last several years, and I have never been concerned about whether or not they would be better tomorrow than they were today. I always thought, regardless of where the program was at, that as long as Nick Saban was there, they're going to be just fine. He continued, right now Alabama feels like it is at a bit of a crossroads. Now, I will say Nick Saban has already responded to the comments. I won't read all of Nick Saban's comments, but he rightly defended his program. He said, are we satisfied with where we are as a team? Absolutely not. But at the same time, sometimes when the standard is so high, there may be some occasion where you don't quite meet the standard and the expectation that everybody has for you. So that's what Nick Saban said in response to Greg McElroy. But let me just say this about Greg McElroy. One, I give him credit. He lives in the state of Alabama, former Alabama player. And I give him credit for saying what he believes to be the truth about the state of his program. Let me also say this. And I don't think it's going to surprise you if you listen to the pod this week. I think Greg McElroy is dead right. And I think the term crossroads is a, war, a term that I have used, and it's the perfect term to use to speak about the state of Alabama right now. And it's really interesting, right? First of all, it is it has been a kind of a weird week because Greg McElroy referenced it. Other people have said in the past 
that the dynasty is dead. The dynasty is over really as far back as 2014. That was after Alabama had already won three titles under Nick Saban. They lose a couple games. They lose to Auburn. Auburn plays for a title, whatever. Lose to Ole Miss a few times when Hugh Freeze was the head coach at Ole Miss. And people talk about the dynasty being dead. And so I do think there is this kind of hesitation right now. Like there's this hesitation that nobody really wants to kind of go out on a limb and say like, this program is not right right now. And I give credit to anyone, myself, Greg McElroy, anybody that's willing to stick their chin out and say something's not right. We see this in sports sometimes, and I just don't get it, right? Like we see it in sports. Right now, I think Tom Brady's the perfect example. Now, I know he's coming off the game-winning drive, but people are like, oh, you can't bet against Tom Brady. It's like, well, I mean, I've watched the first eight games of his season. Kind of looks like a 45-year-old going through personal problems, and he doesn't look very good right now. That could change. But right now, I got to base my opinion on Tom Brady based on what I know right now. Same with Patrick Mahomes last year. I didn't understand it. Nobody would criticize Patrick Mahomes last year. I was like, he's not playing well. Now he rallied, got Kansas City back to the AFC Championship game. But there was just this weird thing where, like, you can't criticize Patrick Mahomes. Bet against him as you want. I'm like, no, he's not very good. Same with Tom Brady and same with Alabama right now. As my radio partner, Arnie Spanier, always says, and I talk about it all the time, he always says, The show is tonight. And what he means by that is we have to base our current information. We have to base our current opinions off of our uh, off of the information that we have right now. And the information is this Alabama program is trending in the wrong direction. It's not a hot take. It's not a strong opinion. It really is just kind of a fact. It's a fact that we've talked about on this show for two years. Listen, I think I was ahead of this last year. I remember talking about this last year saying, Something's not right. This isn't a vintage Alabama team. It has got to get fixed. And because of the fact that they made it all the way to the national championship game, because of the fact that they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, I think we kind of dusted under the rug a lot of Alabama's problems, right? Like, 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 think about it. Going into the SEC championship game, Alabama was an underdog. Going into the SEC championship game, Alabama was coming off a narrow win against Auburn, obviously a loss in the regular season to Texas A&M. And I think if, if if they just lose that SEC championship game last year, we're asking a lot of these same questions a year ago. But they beat Georgia. They get to the college football playoff where they take care of an undermanned Cincinnati team. And then we kind of give them a pass and we kind of just say, okay, they're going into 2023, 2022. They're going to be awesome. And they haven't been. And this is where I think Greg's commentary holds water. This isn't about one loss or one moment or one game or one this or one that. As I've said many times, this is really a two-year cycle for Alabama. I brought up the stats the other day. Last eight home games dating back, to, uh, last eight road games dating back to last year, they're five and three straight up. Five wins, three losses. They're barely 500 on the road. What's even wilder is, you think about the, the close wins that they've had. One point win against Texas this year. Two point win against Florida last year. Four overtime win against Auburn this year. And so it's funny, right? Because one of the things that Nick Saban said that I didn't get to in his comments about Greg McElroy's comments, he said, look, we lost on the last play of both games in overtime each time. We could be 9-0 and right now. That's totally fair. They also won on the last play against Texas A&M and won in the final minute against Texas. So yeah, they could be 9-0. and They could also be 3-4. and And so this is why the comments are so interesting because it does feel like they're at a crossroads. This team with this program right now in this second has not been right for two years. And where I'd be concerned and why I think the term crossroads is correct, this was supposed to be the team that brought it all back. You have a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback coming back that's going to be potentially the number one pick in the draft depending on what you feel about Will Levis, okay? Uh, Kidding. Will Levis hype, we'll save that for another day. But probably potentially the number one pick in the draft. If he's not the number one pick in the draft, you know who might be? His teammate, Will Anderson. And so you bring back basically your entire defense from last year. You bring back a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. You fill out the skill positions through the portal, and things are still trending in the wrong direction. Yeah, I'd be concerned too. If I was Greg McElroy or if I was a Bama fan, and I'm not saying Greg McElroy is acting as a fan, I'm just saying I'd be concerned too if I had an, a personal investment in this program. And the part that I don't think enough people are talking about, maybe it's starting to pick up steam now. 
What is the path to getting better, right? Because again, this was supposed to be the team. And I think what's especially disappointing about this team and be one thing if it was like 2019 when he just dealt with injuries. If you remember 2019, that was the year Joe Burrow was at LSU. Tua really hurt his ankle right before that game, was basically playing on one ankle in that game. And then he got hurt again later in the year. The hip, it was really unfortunate. It was really scary, but he was out the back half of the year. This ain't it. I know Bryce Young missed a game or two. I think he missed one game total. This ain't it. This ain't injuries. This ain't just losing to better teams. Like, right, sometimes even Alabama has lost to better teams. I mean, I could name them, but we don't have to. This ain't it. LSU's in a rebuild. LSU is way ahead of schedule. LSU had 39 scholarship players in their final uh, bowl game, their only bowl game, their bowl game last year against Kansas State. LSU ain't it. LSU ain't a finished product. I don't even think Tennessee is a finished product. I think they're ahead of schedule, but they have holes. We saw last week against Georgia. And so if Alabama is losing to these teams, what makes us think that it's going to magically turn around? Because here's the bottom line. Look across the SEC. There's a lot of programs that Alabama plays every year or is going to have to get through that are operating at a really high level. LSU appears to have found its head coach in Brian Kelly. I think that guy's going to work at LSU. Um, Ole Miss has been a walkover for the vast majority of Saban's time at Alabama outside for a year or two when Hugh Freeze had it rolling. They got the right coach if Lane Kiffin stays. Um, who else? Georgia's obviously got it rolling. Tennessee is going to be tougher going forward than they've ever been. And so I bring it up, and that's not even on the national scale where Lincoln Riley's building something at USC. Uh, we'll see if Mario Cristobal gets it rolling at Miami. Clemson is always going to be a force. Ohio State's always going to be a force. Michigan probably operating at the highest level it ever has. So I bring it up to say, I think Greg McElroy's right. They're at a crossroads. Doesn't mean the dynasty is over. It just means they are at a crossroads. And Nick Saban, I think this will be one of his most interesting offseasons. He's got to replace at least one of the coordinators. I think both. And if you replace both with a new quarterback next year, with a younger roster next year, it is going to look like a much, much different team. Wow. What a first segment of the Aratora Sports Podcast. This is what we're going to do. Going to come back, take a quick break. I want to talk about some other interesting comments. Mark Stoops, Kentucky head coach, very interesting comments on the state of NIL. You don't want to miss this. Mark Stoops coming after his AD but he's dead right. A fascinating conversation. We'll also quickly preview the week 11 slate. Take a quick break. Come right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Uh, we'll get to the week 11 slate in a minute. It is a little bit of a quieter week in college football. But before we do, I want to get to one other off the field topic really a topic that we discussed a lot during the spring and summer that we haven't really talked about the last couple months because the games on the field have been so good, but it is resurfacing and it is three little letters called NIL. And why I want to talk about NIL is because earlier this week, we had an SEC coach, Mark Stoops, actually call out his administration and basically tell them, guys, girls, we're falling behind you guys up upstairs in the, uh, in the you know, upstairs, you got to get your stuff together. We are falling behind and we need to get moving if we want to continue to have success as a football program. And we're going to get to Mark Stoops' comments in a minute. But I think they're relevant and I think they're important because with National Signing Day coming up in a few weeks, 
And more importantly, I believe with the transfer portal now open for business, anybody can transfer at any time. I think the NIL stuff is going to resurface. The stories are going to get crazier. It, it sounds like a blockbuster, uh, you know, old school blockbuster summer movie. Bigger stories, bigger headlines, bigger rumors, NIL 2022. But that's really how I feel this is going to go. And so I want to get to Mark Stoops' comments in a second because this is where we are in college football. I think it's going to get crazy over the next couple months. And what I would say is the current state of NIL, and we've talked about this before, but I do believe that there's really two types of thinking when it comes to NIL. Two schools of thought, literally and figuratively, since we are talking about schools here. There are the schools that are kind of just like, whatever. There are no rules. There's nobody to enforce the rules. Whatever we have to do to get a kid to our campus, get him signed, get him playing, get him in our uniform, we're going to do it. And I'm not going to accuse anyone of anything, but I think we all kind of know what schools I may or may not be talking about. But there are also the other schools that I do think are kind of looking at it from the 30,000 foot, you know, uh, 10 year view of, hey, there are no rules right now, but there are going to be rules at some point, And we don't want to do anything crazy to get us in trouble when somebody is actually in charge and somebody is dictating what's right and wrong. And so this is kind of the gray area NIL world that we live in. And it's very clear that Mark Stoops believes that Kentucky is kind of in the latter the type of school that is not doing enough, that basically believes that rules will be in place at some point um, and that they need to be doing more because they're going to continue to lose recruits and maybe more importantly, players off of their roster to the portal and to NIL at other schools. Here is what Mark Stoops had to say. I've beat around the bush. I do want to get to his comments from this week. First of all, on Monday, he was asked about it. And here's what he said. And this kind of speaks to the idea that he thinks that Kentucky has quote unquote done it the right way been patient, taking its time. He said, we've worked our way through it as an administration, as an institution, as a program to find the balance, to make sure it's right, to make sure it's clean, to make sure it's legal, fair, ethical, moral. We've worked through all of that. Our administration has helped us as a program and all of our student athletes and coaches to get through some of that. He continued, we need support from the community, from the state, if it is what it is. If we want to compete at the highest level, we got to have money in the bank. And that's legal. These collectives, and we have collectives in place that are supported, that are cleared from our administration and our place that you're allowed to put money into. So that's what he said. Basically, we're doing it the right way. We have money, but we need to continue doing it because the money that we have raised right now is not enough. Later in the week, though, this topic came up again. And here is what he had to say, both kind of criticizing his current administration but also maybe more importantly, calling out some other ones as well. He said, you know, speaking of other schools, he says, it does me no good to whine or cry or complain about anybody else. I can't control anybody else, but I can control our program and we're doing the very best we can. And yes, I think that just like most people, we need the support. We need more. We need to get this collective rolling or we're going to fall way behind in the league because you know, and I know the way things are going with some others here in our league. Now, many believe that those last comments are actually aimed more towards Tennessee. I think some people would think it's certain schools. Tennessee this week, their AD, Danny White, basically came out publicly and said, hey, support whatever collective you want. We're here to win at the highest level of Tennessee. And that's paraphrasing. And to be clear, I don't think it's right and I don't think it's wrong. I don't think one side is right. I don't think one side is wrong. But what I do think, and this is where I want to get into the meat of this, I do think Stoops' general sentiment is a thousand percent correct. What Mark Stoops is basically saying is, look, NIL is here. It's not going anywhere. We're not going back to the old days. And so you can either get on board, you can either support our program financially, not with resources, not with facilities, but with cold, hard cash for our players, or we're going to lose guys. Now, it is worth noting the AD Mitch Barnhart did come out uh, on Thursday morning and basically put out a statement saying, we're working we're getting stuff together. We're going to make sure our athletes are leaving no stone unturned financially in terms of NIL. But I bring all of this up to, again, reiterate, this is the world we live in. We're not going anywhere. And I think Stoops' comments really speak to what a crazy couple weeks it will be going forward with NIL. Why is that? Well, first of all, I think anybody who's watching this or listening to this knows one simple fact. We are about to hit National Signing Day for college football. 
Now, Kentucky, over the last week or so, has lost a marquee recruit or two. Now, their lead assistant, Vince Merrow, came out and said it had nothing to do with NIL. This was just a unique circumstance. He obviously can't name players individually. But why I bring it up is because I do think, look, NIL is going to be part of the National Signing Day conversation. And I think that's how most fans think of this NIL situation. I want to get to the other side of it as well, though, is I think most fans kind of sit there and look at it from the what we think Texas A&M did last offseason perspective and what we think Texas A&M did. And, you know, I'm very careful to accuse anyone of anything. I think we all think it's just get a recruiting list out. Find the best players, find all the five stars, offer them as much cash as you can to get them on campus. And I certainly think that's going to happen. I, by the way, I think it happened before NIL. I think great, uh, you know, big schools and other schools have been trying to pay players, especially the best ones coming out of high school for years. And I certainly think that's something that's going to happen in the coming weeks. What I think is even more interesting, though, and what I don't think gets talked about enough, but what I know is a concern of college coaches across the country. I think we're all focused on the five stars and the high school players and this guy and that guy. And what does it mean? And is this kid going to flip here to go there? And how much money is involved and what we think is involved? Here's the bottom line, though. You know what most coaches are actually more concerned about? They're actually more concerned about the players on their roster. Because remember, in the one-time transfer world, all it takes is one text or one phone call or one DM, basically from a school, a coach, a player at that school saying, hey, you know, you come here, you're going to get X, Y, Z. That kid can send one email, be in the portal and be headed somewhere else overnight. And so when Mark Stoops really makes these comments, I actually think he's probably much more worried about the guys on his roster than he actually is about any individual recruit. He's worried about the guys that are on campus, the guys that have had success. And this really isn't a new idea, but I don't think it gets talked about as much as the high school players and NIL, right? If you remember over the summer, and I don't know if we talked about it on this show, but there was an interesting moment in the middle of the summer where there was a kind of a pseudo internal memo from Ryan Day, the Ohio State coach, that was leaked to the media. Somehow somebody got a hold of it. And in the memo, Ryan Day, and he didn't do anything wrong, he basically just said, to his donors, to his high-level donors, he said, look, here's the deal. It is going to take about $13 million just to retain the players that we have on our roster starting next year. So that has nothing to do with the five-star quarterback, the five-star DN, the five-star safety, whatever. That was just to retain the players on his roster, and that was based on what he was told from his own players on what they were being offered from other schools. And so when Mark Stoops makes these comments or any coach, this isn't a Mark Stoops thing. It could be a, a, you know, a a Steve Sarkeesian thing or a Lane Kiffin thing or a Lincoln Riley thing or a Dan Lanning at Oregon thing. When I think he makes these comments, it's like, we got to get our stuff together because we're not only going to lose recruits, we're going to lose players on our roster. And that's the thing that I think you have to keep an eye out for over the next couple months is Who leaves a good situation and goes in the portal? And if so, you can probably guess that there might be an NIL promise attached behind it. And the reason this happens is really a a couple reasons. One, the reason that I think most coaches are more worried about their own guys and most coaches, I'm not saying I know of any specific, but are basically actively recruiting other guys is because they're already in college. They've already established themselves. They've already proven that they can play at a high level. So rather than spending that money on a a high school player that's unproven, that's never lived away from home, all that good stuff, let me go get a dude that had 110 tackles this year in the Big Ten or the SEC. Let me go get a dude that had 100 catches at wherever. Let me get a dude that's thrown for 5,000 yards that maybe we can convince to come here with the right price. This is the, these are the stories that you got to monitor. National Signing Day is going to be interesting. I think the portal is going to be much, much more interesting. And again, this is all happening because we focus so much on the high school kids. But the bottom line is reality is that not only are the players more established, but because of the transfer portal, these kids can get in. And I think it's important to note one more thing from what I'm told. A lot of times I think we all think it's, oh, it's tampering and this coach is doing this and this coach is doing that. You know how a lot of this stuff starts? I'll be honest, just talking to people. It's one player talking to each other, right? This is the world that these kids live in. 
when you recruit a kid out of high school, you got to go sit in their house. You got to talk to their parents. You got to talk to the high school coach. You got to talk to in basketball, the AAU coach. Once you get a kid to campus though, if you can get them, you know, it, there's much, there's much fewer layers to actually get access to a kid, right? We go back to the Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison thing. There was all these rumors that Jordan Addison was tampered with. Bottom line, Jordan Addison, he's like, I want to play with Caleb Williams. I know Caleb. I, I, you know, my hunches, they started talking at some point, like, Hey man, you could come with me if you want. That's what happens. That's how all this stuff happens. I was told by somebody earlier this week, high level basketball program. Oh yeah. No, they had players talking to other players. And, and, and I say it from the perspective of the school that if you want to call it, I don't, I wouldn't call it tampered with, but I, I heard it from one school that, Oh yeah. Other school had their players reaching out, just saying, Hey, if you come here, you're going to get X, Y, Z. So I bring it up to just say that I found Mark Stoops' comments to be absolutely fascinating. Now, the good news is, you know, one, from the Kentucky perspective, it appears as though Kentucky is getting their their their, their cards in order, or whatever you want to call it, in terms of NIL. Two, we'll see if it gets as big as I think myself and most others think it will get. Because sometimes, you know, a lot of times I've found in, in, in college sports is that we, we worry about stuff. We worry about this. We worry about that. And then it doesn't end up getting as big. And so we'll see how this all plays out. But I think Stoops' central point of the transfer portal, NIL, they're here. They're not going anywhere. And you're either moving ahead or falling behind. I think it is an interesting point, And it is clear that I don't think Mark Stoops is alone in feeling this. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Really quickly, let's get to the week 11 slate in college football. And, and you know, I'll just be blunt. It's a little bit of a quieter week. We kind of know what's at stake, right? You know, and, and none of those super marquee teams have really marquee games. Uh, Ohio State is a 40-point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook against uh, against Indiana. Georgia is over a two-touchdown favorite against Mississippi State. We'll talk about them in a minute. But there aren't those, like, super marquee games. By the way, if you do want, like, a super in-depth breakdown, make sure to download the College Football Betting with Aaron Torres show. That will get you uh, the super deep dive on these games but what I want to do is just kind of really quickly rip through a few of them because, again, it's it's a little bit of a quieter slate. I don't think you need 15 minutes on Ole Miss, Alabama. So let's get into it. Let's discuss. Let's get to a few of the Week 11 games in college football. I just mentioned it. You know, Ole Miss, Alabama is the probably the signature game. Two top 15 teams uh, matched up in this game. And really what this comes down to, and I, I don't love to do the, like, existential what does it really mean? But at the same time, I think that's what this conversation is for Alabama. We know that when you come to Alabama, the expectation is you're going to compete for national championships and you're going to win national championships. And there is a core of players, including Bryce Young and Will Anderson, that are realizing, you know what? Everything we came to Alabama for, yes, we won a national championship as freshmen, but we didn't lead this program to another one. And so I'm just absolutely fascinated to see what version of Alabama we get. Now, we could see one of two, right? We could see the version that's just like, I don't want to be here. We're not playing for an SEC title. We're not playing for a national title. I'm out. We could get that team or we could get the team that says, you know what? Now the pressure's off. Now we can just go play. The problem is I'm not sure that Ole Miss off of a bye is the team that you can do that against. Ole Miss offense is humming. Obviously, the number three rushing offense in college football, as I've said many times, 
People like to focus on the pass game with Lane Kiffin and his team. But the bottom line is they run the ball really effectively. And if you look at Alabama, they have struggled against the run against good teams on the road. LSU averaged over five yards per carry, 180 plus yards rushing last week. Just about the same for Tennessee, which averaged right around five yards per carry there. And so now you have the best rushing attack in the SEC at home with Lane Kiffin in a week to prepare. I should mention, by the way, it is a 12-point spread in the Betfred Sportsbook. Yes, Alabama is favored by 12. I would lean Ole Miss to keep this close, and I would lean Ole Miss to win. Listen, we've talked about it. You don't need me to keep spitting the stats out to you. Alabama, for the last two years, has not been a good team on the road. They have struggled on the road, 5-3 and three overall. If you're a better, 2-6 and six against the spread. One point win against Texas this year. Two losses on the road. The Arkansas game was close until the final minutes. I just don't trust this Alabama team. Bill Parcells once said, you are what your record says you are. And at Alabama, a 7-2 and two record is a failure. And that's what this team feels like. We just talked about it. We don't need to go over it again and again. I think Ole Miss wins this, or Ole Miss keeps it close. I think they have a legitimate chance to win this one. Really quickly, some of the other ones, you know, TCU, Texas. TCU is the number four team in the country. If they went out, they're going to the college football playoff. This is a team that has done a great job of rallying late. They deserve to be the number four team in the country. But what makes it interesting is that it's actually Texas that's not only a favorite. They're a touchdown favorite at home in Austin. Fascinating game, fascinating matchup. And what I would just tell you, keep an eye on this. Texas is a great first half team. TCU is a great second half team. What does that mean for this game? That is what I'm fascinated to see. Okay. So just think about it like this. Okay. Texas, you know, and it makes sense, right? Steve Sarkeesian, he's a great play caller. What do great play callers do? They're great on script. They're great early in games. They're great when before they have to make adjustments. Steve Sarkeesian has not proven that he is great as time goes on in the game in games. And so I bring it up because the last two games, and by the way, this was a problem last year for Steve Sarkeesian when Texas went five and seven. Last two games for Texas, they were up 31 to 10 at the half last week at Kansas State, held on for dear life. Won 34 to 27. Not great at math. That sounds like they got outscored 17 to 3 in the second half. Then how about this? They were up uh they were up 31 to 24 at the half against Oklahoma State three weeks ago. They had a buy-in between. So they nearly lost the week a week ago, got outscored 17 to 3 in the second half. Against Oklahoma State, they got outscored. How about this? 17 to 3 in the second half. TCU, on the other hand, this is important, struggles early, was down 13 to 10 last week against Texas Tech, came back to win, was down by double digits against Kansas State and Oklahoma State, came back to win. That is the interesting part of this game to me. I think for Texas, this is obviously a huge, it's huge for both, right? If TCU wins, it's hard to see them losing a game before the uh, Big 12 championship game, okay? But if Texas were to win this game, this is a huge statement win for the program. What's as interesting to me, if Texas loses and how they lose, if Texas is to lose this game in a game where they take a lead early and they blow it late, I think we're going to have some real questions about Steve Sarkeesian, great play caller, great recruiter, but can he close out games? Can he make adjustments? Can he do the things needed to elevate Texas? Just watch. I'm just telling you because, again, they were up 31 to 10 at the half last week, barely held on. If you have another big first half lead and blow it, I would be very worried. Really quickly, great West Coast game, Oregon, Washington. And I talked about it on the college football betting show. This is a secretly great rivalry. Okay. We think Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Washington State, Apple Cup, Civil War. Oregon and Washington fans really do not like each other. Oregon comes in as a 13 and a half point favorite in the Betfred Sportsbook. We talked about it on Thursday's show. If Oregon wins out, I think there's going to be a compelling case that they should get into the college football playoff over a one loss Tennessee, a one loss loser of the Ohio State Michigan game. But they got to get by a few games. They play Utah next week. They play Washington this week at home. And this is going to be a challenge for Oregon. The reason being the one thing Oregon does not do well. They're great on offense. 
score a lot of points, but they also give up a lot of yardage, especially through the air. 11th ranked Pac-12 of of 12 Pac-12 teams. They have the 11th ranked pass defense and it's like 110th nationally. That's not going to get it done against Washington, which is, by the way, the number one pass offense in college football. So keep an eye on that. I think Oregon wins, but I think it's close. Other games, listen, Arkansas LSU, weird game. LSU is a three and a half point favorite. I saw that LSU is getting action like an NFL team. In other words, the money coming in on LSU is similar to an NFL game. Total stay away to me. Freaks me out. But I can't bet Arkansas either. I don't love Arkansas because KJ Jefferson is not at 100%. Uh, Other uh, SEC game, Georgia-Mississippi State. I'll tell you, you know, Georgia's a 16-point favorite. What's interesting to me about this game, we saw that Georgia secondary against Tennessee last week. I think they embarrassed Mississippi State the way that they did to Tennessee last week. Keep in mind also Mississippi State's run defense is not very good. Georgia Georgia's run offense is obviously incredible. All right, like I said, quick kind of look at the the um the week 11 games. Just want to hit on them really quick. I don't think it's like a we need to spend a half an hour previewing. So what we're going to do, we will take a quick break. We will come back and we'll wrap the show. One college hoops note. Kenny Payne in Louisville, not good. And we'll wrap, obviously, with Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. Take a quick break. Be right back. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everybody. I'm back. Good to be back. Good to be back. Final segment of the show. So good to be back. Uh, and we're going to wrap in a minute with Aaron Wright, Aaron Wrong. But before we do, uh, there is one college hoop story that I do want to get to. College hoops, as you know, started this week. And uh, by the way, we'll be on that aircraft carrier tonight. Michigan State, Gonzaga, happy Veterans Day again. But there was one result from Wednesday night that I do want to talk about. And that was Kenny Payne and the Louisville Cardinals. Kenny Payne and Louisville in the preseason lost to a D2 team. We tried not to overreact. It's the preseason. It's an exhibition game. Stuff happened. Well, Kenny Payne on Thursday night, on Wednesday night, opened up the Kenny Payne era at Louisville at the KFC Yum Center, welcoming in Bellarmine University, a school that was a D2 program as recently as two years ago. And they walked out with a 67-66 loss. So first of all, congratulations to Bellarmine. But I think this speaks to the fact that it's going to be a really long season for Louisville. And here's the bottom line. I just want to spend about two, three minutes on this game. I'm not going to do a deep dive because I don't think Louisville is very good this year. And really, that's the bottom line coming out of this game. Like, I I don't need to go crazy. If anything, here's the wild part about this game, okay? I know a lot of you watched this game. It was really the only game of significance on Wednesday night. Louisville lost by one. They had to rally to make it respectable. Now, they had a chance to win late. But it doesn't change the fact that they had to rally. They were down 11 points at halftime, rallied to get the game close before ultimately falling by one. And what this speaks to to me is something that I think we knew, but this just confirms it. It is going to be a long first year for Kenny Payne at Louisville. Now, I believe in Kenny Payne. I believe that he's the right guy for Louisville. But at the same time, if you can't beat Bellarmine, a really good mid-major team, but one that still has a bunch of players that were recruited to play D2, What are you going to do against Duke, against Carolina, against Kentucky, against uh, Virginia, against Florida State, against whoever? And I know Florida State just took a loss on on night one, but you get the point. It's going to be a long year, and you look at Louisville. I just have two quick thoughts on them. One, I don't think they have very many players that are good enough to play in the ACC, and the ones that do are freshmen. It's funny. We talked about Louisville on the College Hoops Today podcast. That is part of the Aaron Torres media feed. Download it if you have not already. I appeared on the first few. Zach Kroll has taken over from here, and I'll rejoin him once a week starting next week. But we talked about Louisville. The bottom line is this was a really bad team last year. They actually finished 14th out of 15 teams in the ACC, and they lost most of their good players. Two of their top three scorers left. Uh, to go to the professional ranks, uh, their fourth leading scorer transferred to Seton Hall. And so you look at this team, 
outside of a kid named L. Ellis, a guard, a senior, I don't know that they have a single guy on this roster that can get you 20 points a game. And so what I would say is, look, I do think part of it's on Chris Mack, right? And I'm not going to do the whole blame everything on the former head coach, but he left this program barren. He left this program with nothing, and Kenny Payne had to pick up the pieces. But I do think, and I've seen a lot of commentary about this, and I think it's the correct commentary. Some of this is on Kenny Payne as well. You know, we live in the one-time transfer portal world, and I get it, right? Like, you know, you're dealing with, you know, an NCAA investigation at the time that just wrapped up. But in the one-time transfer world, you just can't strike out the way that he did this offseason. You can't go into a season at a school like Louisville with a roster as bad as this one currently is. Think about even in football, where you need 22 guys, you know, 11 starters on each side of the ball and 85 guys on the field, or 85 guys on your roster. Think about LSU adding 20-plus guys in the portal and the difference that it made. USC, 20-plus guys in the portal and the difference that it made. How Eric Musselman has used the portal to rebuild Arkansas. Now they're starting to recruit five-star guys. How Bruce Pearl has used the portal with Walker Kessler and guys like that. You just cannot go into a season with the roster that Kenny Payne has. And by the way, it's not just on Kenny Payne. They have a very highly compensated assistant coaching staff. Danny Manning, the former head coach at Wake Forest, who was part of uh, the Maryland staff last year. Nolan Smith left Duke to be part of this Louisville rebuild. You cannot go into this season with the roster that they have. Now, the positive is a couple things. One, two of their better players are true freshmen. It's going to take time, but assuming you can keep them, and in this one-time transfer world, there is no guarantee, I think both those guys are going to be pretty good. The other thing, listen, this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment, but it's not. I actually give Louisville credit. They fell down early and they really fought. They fought to get back in the game, which is a bad sign in and of itself, but it doesn't change the fact that this isn't a team that, that in game one quit on its coach, quite the opposite. They bought in, they locked down. And this is a team that I do think will get better over the course of the year, but it shows you how far this program has to go and how much is left to get fixed by Kenny Payne. Uh, I know that they're, they're, they're looking to close on some good prospects in 2023, but there's no excuse. They got to hit the portal hard next year because this year I would argue they got one guy that was sort of a difference maker, Brandon Huntley Hatfield, who played at Tennessee last year. Outside of that, there is not that much talent on the roster and in the one-time transfer portal era, no excuse. Really quickly, shout out to Bellerman. You know, it's interesting. Um, first of all, they were a D2 power decided to go to D1. And last year, if you remember, they actually won their conference tournament. But because of the fact that the NCAA doesn't allow any team in its first four years in D1 to be eligible for the NCAA tournament, they could not play in the NCAA tournament. But this was a school under their current head coach, Scotty Davenport. They won a national championship, six league titles, their final year in the uh, in D2, they went to the Sweet 16, uh, four Final Fours under him, including that national championship year. So this was an incredible power at the D2 level, coming to the D1 level, made a splash last year, and you talk about making a major splash this year, credit to them. Also credit to their coach, Scotty Davenport. I'll say this really quick. You know, when, when there was kind of turmoil around the Louisville job last year, you know, Chris Mack gets fired. Bruce Pearl's interested, then he signs an extension, or I don't know if he's interested. There was interest in Bruce Pearl, he signs an extension. There was interest in Mick Cronin, he signs an extension. Before Kenny Payne came, there was talk of, man, can you get Scotty Davenport to come from Bellarmine to Louisville? And he's an older guy. He's in his mid to late 60s. But can you get him for just a year, two, three to right the ship? Now, Louisville went and got Kenny Payne, and I give them credit, and I don't think it was the wrong decision, but there was talk. Give Scotty Davenport a chance to run this program for a few years. You see the impact he can make. Congratulations to Bellerman. All right, with that said, let's wrap the show, as we do every Friday, with America's Favorite Podcast segment, where Aaron was right, where Aaron was wrong. We do it every single Friday. Here's the deal. Here's what you need to know. Started by my buddy Colin Cowherd on his show, Colin Wright, Colin Wrong is what he calls it does it every Monday. I do it every Friday. And I think it's a fun way to wrap the week. Don't take ourselves too seriously. Uh, but we also do it for one very simple reason. It is because of the fact that over the course of a week, month, year, your boy Torres loves giving out hot sports takes. Okay. And when I get stuff right, 
I love bragging about it. I love telling you about it. I love saying Torres tried to tell you. And so we do Aaron right, Aaron wrong every week to go through my best and worst takes of the week, month, and year. Because while I love telling you that I get stuff right, I got to own up to it when I get stuff wrong too. Let's get into it. A quick Friday edition of Aaron right, Aaron wrong. Where Aaron was right. Did you hear footsteps around the, the, the house, around the apartment building, around 11, 11.30 Eastern time last Saturday? If you did, it was your boy Torres taking a victory lap on Brian Kelly. Okay, I have been telling you that for years, all this guy got criticized. He's not good enough. He's overrated. Notre Dame's overrated. No, I've argued for years, Notre Dame was actually underrated under Brian Kelly. I've told you the spiel. I've given it to you before. But in 2022, there is no reason a small Catholic school in Indiana with no natural recruiting base and big-time academic standards should be competing at the top of college football. Yet in his final few years, outside of playoff games, outside of regular season games at Georgia and Clemson, this guy basically beat everybody. I knew he would be great if he ever got a shot, and I am so glad that, as I said on Monday's show, he had the guts to take the LSU job because we are seeing what he can do on an equal playing field with semi-equal talent. And the crazy part is, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if he's going to win a national championship. But what I can tell you is this. This roster that he has right now is the least talented roster that he is going to have at LSU. Big things ahead. LSU can clinch the SEC West with a win on Saturday or an Alabama loss, which obviously I think is in play. Credit to Brian Kelly. I've been right for years on this, and I'm going to keep bringing it up because I'm going to keep being right. Where Aaron was wrong, in the preseason, my national championship pick was Alabama. And not only was my national championship pick Alabama, I'll take it a step further. I said I thought this had to had a chance to be one of the great teams in the history of Alabama football under Nick Saban. And I was just dead wrong. Listen, we've talked about it so much over the last couple of weeks. We talked about it to lead the show. I don't need to keep going over it. But something is not right with this program. Five and three overall in their last eight regular season games. And the, the crazy part and the scary part, if you're a Bama fan, as I said earlier in the show, this is this was the year it was supposed to get right. You have the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. You have the best edge rusher in college football. If you don't get it done this year, now going into next year, LSU is going to be a year better. Most of Ole Miss's roster returns. You're going to be starting with a, a quarterback that has virtually very likely never played a game as a starter for you at Alabama. Unless Jalen Milrow gets a job, he'll have one career start at that point, maybe two if he starts a bowl game. But I don't like the trajectory of this program. We talked about it earlier, but I thought this was going to be a vintage, historic, all-time great Saban team, and I was dead wrong. Where Aaron was right. Last Friday night, did you see what happened at Rentschler Field in old East Hartford, Connecticut? My buddy Jim Moore, friend of the Aaron Torres pod, led the UConn Huskies to a fifth victory. UConn plays Liberty on Saturday, backs up against the wall, not going to be an easy game, but I give Jim Moore so much credit. UConn is now 5-5, five and five, this after going 4-32 and 32 in the previous four seasons. Listen, I told you all of last year, UConn will never be Alabama. UConn will never be Clemson. They'll never be Tennessee. They'll never be USC. But the idea that they should drop down to the FCS was always idiotic. And the idea that their football program should join some third-rate conference is idiotic as well. I saw an, a, a report, a write-up from The Athletic. Chris Vanini, who's a great writer there, he was making the argument UConn football should join Conference USA. One, I don't even know if Conference USA would want them if they're a football-only ad. But two, why? UConn had a Power 5 team visit Rentschler Field this year, beat them in Boston College, and they have two Power 5 teams coming to Rentschler Field next year. This program is being built, and I think through the transfer portal, Jim Mora is going to crush it. When we get in the portal, there's going to be a lot of good players that just want an opportunity to play. We saw that this year when UConn got transfers from Alabama, from Texas, from Missouri, from Kentucky, from Texas Tech. These guys want to play. UConn is the best is yet to come because if you go five and five and whatever this year, maybe six and six, they play Liberty this week, Army next week. You get to a bowl game. Now we have proof of concept, and it's only going to ramp up from there. At the end of the day, kids want to play for conference championships and national championships, but they also want to get on the field. 
They also want to have a chance to, to play, to prove themselves, to hopefully get to the NFL. Jim Mora is doing that. Shout out my buddy, Jim Mora. Where Aaron was wrong. To go back to last Saturday, I was just dead wrong on Tennessee. And not dead wrong on like they're terrible, they're overrated. But I said coming in, I said, I think they're the best team in the country. And I think they're going to beat Georgia. And what I learned in that game, as Tennessee got curb stomped by Georgia, and I don't think it's a Tennessee thing. I think it's a Georgia thing. They're the best team in the country. And the important thing that I learned is something we talked about on Monday. At the end of the day, you can have a great coach and a great quarterback. But there's a difference between having that, which Tennessee does, and being a program that stacks great recruiting class on great recruiting class on great recruiting class. Georgia, four top four recruiting classes in the last four years. And they were just, they just outmanned Tennessee on every level at every spot. Corners overwhelmed Tennessee's wide receivers. D-line overwhelmed Tennessee's offensive line. Offensive line, you know, opened up huge holes for the, the for the, the Georgia run game. Credit to Kirby Smart. He's got this program operating at the highest level. They, for at least this season, are in great position to win another national title. We can save the conversation on if they've passed Bama for another day. Georgia's awesome. Tennessee's coming, but they're not there yet. Really quickly where Aaron was right. Let's go to basketball really quick. NBA draft. I told you. I said, look, the top three is Paolo Bancaro, Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren. But go back and listen to those episodes because I said, if there's one guy that I do think could potentially break out, and if I had to bet a long shot rookie of the year candidate, it would be Ben Matherin, Benedict Matherin, who played at Arizona last year. I loved everything about his story where he could have gone to the NBA after his freshman year, decides to come back and becomes an All-American and a star. Well, guess what? He got to the NBA and he is already a star. His second 30-point game on Wednesday night, he's averaging 20 points per game for the Indiana Pacers. I know the Pacers aren't very good. I know they're a work in progress. They're probably going to trade Buddy Heald and Miles Turner to the Lakers. They're not a great team right now, but Ben Matherin is a star. I love everything about this kid. I've loved him since before the draft, and I will keep loving him now. Where Aaron was wrong. So over the last couple of years, I've seen a lot of pushback on the college hoops start. And I've always said, I think college hoops does a good job of starting things up. Champions Classic leads into the Feast Week, you know, Maui Invitational Games. From there, we go from Maui to the ACC Big Ten Challenge. We get some other things going. And it's a great start to the season. Well, this year, and we talked about why on Thursday's show, just a complete dud of a start, man. Just so disappointing that nobody stepped up and said, Man, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Let's get a big game on the schedule. As I said, I know Monday Night Football is going on, but you can't put another big game on another network. Can't put a big game before Monday Night Football. You can't put a Gonzaga West Coast game after Monday Night Football. I'm just so disappointed that this didn't work out. Again, Veterans Day is today. We do have a chance to see a very good game tonight. Enjoy Gonzaga, Michigan State. I will be there, but what a disappointing start to the season. I'll save my final Aaron right, Aaron wrong for another episode. We have gone on long enough, and it is time for me to get out of here. Before we get out of here, make sure you're subscribed. Aaron Tour Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure you're subscribed. Also, make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres Pod on Instagram. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. That is all for today's show. Time for me to get out of here. Watch out tonight. ESPN, 630 Eastern. I will be on that boat. Boats and hoops. Me, Marfew, Tom Izzo, living our best lives. Happy Veterans Day. Time to get out of here. Enjoy the weekend. Shout out to Torn Craig. Shout out to Rachel. It's my voice. Shout out to JJ Reddick, you F-head. I'll be back on Monday, and you know I'm going to have a lot to talk about. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.